What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast, an NBA Outsiders edition, of course, with the baddest in the NBA world. Well, actually, out of the NBA world, my main men, John Lucas Duffy and Frank Villani. What's up, fellas? What up, what up? What's going on, P? How we doing, brother? Uh, I miss you guys. Unfortunately, there was no podcast last week. You know, uh, uh, it was a little under the weather. There's a lot going on, and I just didn't find the right time. We we had some scheduling conflicts between the three of us, and we didn't get one in. But you know what? Better late than never. We're back on board here, and we got so much hoops to talk about. I mean, there's just there's just things nonstop happening in the NBA. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Duff, from Jimmy Butler getting traded to Draymond and KD fighting on the court to actual basketball being played, is there a night where you could not be entertained by the NBA? I mean, it's ridiculous right now. It's like Wob says, days where the NBA is unnecessarily dramatic, zero. Every season, every year, every week, every month, every minute, zero, zero, zero. There's never a day where it's unnecessary. Like, today's a day where, and I say today, I mean Tuesday night when we're recording this podcast for a Wednesday release, so today for you is not today for us, but you know what I'm saying here. Like, there's three games. There's Cavs-Hornets, which is a horrible game. Cavs need got to win. The, the, Rap, I mean, the Rockets and the Nuggets are playing each other. That's a marquee matchup where the Rockets are at this point where they have to be serious about basketball and have to start getting wins, and it looks like they're going to squeak one out here. And then the Warriors game against the Hawks should never, ever matter in a million years, and yet it matters because the Warriors suspended Draymond Green. So you have to kind of like look at it because you're just like, what, what is this going to look like? Are, are they going to look better without Draymond? Are they going to be happy he's not there? And all these little like non-on-the-court stuff that still matters. It still makes you interested. It's crazy. And at the time of recording, Warriors down by three going into the second quarter. So time to blow it up. My column. And <laughs> <laughs> hey Frank, I mean, we watched you both watch a ton of ball. And we were just talking before about baseball. And now, you know, they're both really long seasons. Obviously, you know, 82 games for basketball is just half of what the baseball season is, but they're still both very long with all the off days. Do you find the off the court stuff in baseball to to meet the NBA standards like at all. Where does it rank for you? Because I know you're a big fan of both. Uh, I feel like you have to search it out more for the MLB. Like, definitely. Like, I feel like NBA stuff is always in my timeline, and I feel like that's actually kind of like the NBA niche. To be honest, like just like little quick highlights on social media circulate fast. Um, and they have like less restrictions than baseball and the NFL do. I'm pretty sure with people posting their clips because yeah, everybody less. posts NBA clips, but nobody posts NFL or MLB clips besides the NFL and the MLB. So yeah, I mean, it's a great aspect. I love it. It keep it feels like you're more connected and closer to the game, in my opinion. Drastic misstep by the MLB and the NFL, and in my opinion, just really not taking the social media age to their advantage. And that's why NBA I, Twitter is such a dominant thing. Yeah. I think it's like, it's partial. It's like they're there. And like, if you follow the NFL account, they, they, you know, on Instagram, they, you know, they, I don't know they Instagram videos from like every game and it's pretty constant and stuff. And there's interaction from the teams and stuff too. And the same thing with the MLB, but it's just like, I don't know. 
they're they're forcing it through one channel i feel and yeah. like some of the best stuff you see like like house of highlights the caption with with the video or whatever or uh daquan sometimes has like sports posts and there'll be like a funny caption like sometimes that adds to the sports clip or something like that like it's like it's for the culture know. for lack of better terms and uh you know a lot of people will say oh the mlb and nfl do a great job with social media and yes they absolutely do but you know, when I'm a Knicks fan and when I see Mitchell Robinson throw down like a nasty alley oop dunk, I don't just Dude, see it on alley oop was so sexy though. Oh my god, it's insane. And you know, I don't just see it on the Knicks Instagram. I see it on Knicks, I see it on House of Highlights, I see it on Bowler's Life, I see it on these random Nick blogs that I follow on Instagram. And like you just don't get and I see it from every angle, multiple times, slow motion, the whole nine. You don't get that in a lot of other sports, and that's why we love this league so much. And that's why we're here to talk about it. And uh, Frank, real quick, before we really dive into our basketball stuff here, I just need like your two sentence take on the AL Rookie of the Year because I know a lot of New Yorkers. This is a Sports Blog New York podcast. We're all worked up that Andujar not only didn't win, but wasn't really close to Otani. Uh, as a non-Yankees fan, an unbiased baseball guy, how do you feel about that AL Rookie of the Year vote? I don't know how unbiased it is, but I actually kind of agree with it going to Otani. Uh, and I know people don't like award on principle and stuff like that, but when it came down to it, Andujar only had five more home runs in a, de- a considerable amount more of plate appearances. So I think, you know, if Otani played every day, he would hit probably 30 dingers and, uh, the average is similar. Uh, and Andujar is a terrible defender. He's actually a net negative defender. So, I mean, I'd take a rookie pitcher who, you know, you think he threw 61 innings and finished in the top five in rookie ERA for starting pitching. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty spectacular to be on, you know, the upper echelon of both ends, even though he didn't do it for the entire season and the sample size isn't as big. Um, how many people get touted to Babe Ruth and then come over here and kind of show out a little bit, you know? Kind of show so. high. Yeah, show high. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, Frank, that was a pretty good explanation. I've heard mostly people upset that Andujar didn't get more love. And my thing was, I don't really know who I thought should win. I just thought it should be closer. But your explanation right there, not going to lie, pretty spot on. I-, I-, I rock with it. So well done by you. Um, but let's move back on to this basketball stuff on the slate today. Obviously, we have to talk about Duff Sixers and Jimmy Butler joining that squad. Talk about that trade. Break it down. What does it mean for the Eastern Conference? We're also going to talk about some of this Warriors, KD, Durant, I mean, Draymond Green stuff. Obviously, that's just interesting. Like the Warriors over the past two years – have been, in a lot of people's eyes, uninteresting because they've been so dominant and so likely to win the championship. And they still may be likely, but these types of wrinkles that are bound to happen when teams are this great and this together for so long, you can't get along forever, forever. and dynasties don't last forever. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to bounce around the league, talk about some other stuff, including one Carmelo Anthony, the miraculous great news for Caris LeVert that uh, shocked the NBA Twitter world. With him not being completely broken in the in the foot and ankle area, so that's great news. We're gonna talk about him, and then some more miscellaneous stuff in the NBA. But Duff, since it's your Sixers, why don't you start us off? Break down this trade from your instant reaction to now what you thought about it a couple days later. Yeah, so the trade was Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. Justin Patton, right? Correct. Yes. Justin or Jason? I don't know why I think it's Jason. It's Justin, Justin Patton. Um. 
for Dario Sarge, Robert Covington, Jared Bayless's salary cap filler, and a second round pick in 2022 is basically irrelevant. And that's kind of the main point, though, that everyone is fixed on the fact that the Timberwolves didn't even get a first round pick out of this when, you know, the Rockets were offering four first round picks. That was really like three first round picks in a second, um, if you really break it down. And, you know, the, the basic rule for any trade, especially in the NBA where stars are so important, is if you get the better player, you win the trade. And I think that's the case here. I said on this very podcast two weeks ago around Halloween that the Sixers were just stale. On offense, they were not particularly fun to watch. On defense, they had been underwhelming, not the top five defense that we saw last year. And they needed a change. They needed to shake things up. And I think over the summer, you know, some people, I would say like a third of the NBA community really made a big deal about how bad that summer was. Um, Bielitsa says, you know, fuck the Sixers. I'll go play in Europe. Oh, just kidding. I would rather play in Sacramento for the Kings. Like that was a huge red flag and then for a lot of people. <laughs> would you say? Yeah. And then procedures absolutely ball out. Like, you know who they could really use right now? Bielitsa. Um, and it was just really underwhelming. Now, granted, they didn't have a GM. Brett Brown's doing everything. But then really behind the scenes, it was probably Elton Brand doing a lot. And he got the job. And I think this was a great first move for him to make and really you know, make his stamp as I'm the GM now. This is the direction we're going in. And they didn't have the luxury of sitting in that Celtics cycle where they're just saying we're going to keep getting young players because we have a never-ending trough of draft picks that are coming from the Nets and oh wait we don't have the Nets picks anymore guess what still in summer of 2019 we're going to have four first round picks potentially so they didn't have that luxury to kind of sit and stew in it and this team after going getting the third seed last year having some success in the playoffs and then getting pummeled by the uh, by the Celtics in the second round they needed to make a switch and Jimmy Butler was definitely a guy who was obviously on the block and a lot of people wanted him. I just wish, I think I've heard someone say this. It was the right trade for the wrong guy. They should have made this trade last year for Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion, because it's going to be the same years on the contract. You're basically giving up the same package minus a couple picks. And I don't know necessarily that that package would have been better than getting an all, all NBA player like DeMar DeRozan, who's on multiple years for the, uh, for the Spurs. Historically not a franchise that gets a lot of um, superstars to sign a free agency, you know, with the exception of LaMarcus Aldridge. So I think given the situation, this is the best move they could have made. And I think it's going to be really good for the team and we'll see, We'll see you tomorrow. I mean, I'm really, really excited for the Wednesday night game against, uh, granted, it's against the Orlando Magic, but still, you got to beat who's in front of you, and it's going to be awesome to see. And and a couple of notes on that. One thing the Sixers have done since the midway point of last year is beat the teams who they're supposed to beat, and that's obviously an important thing to continue. I mean, you look at the team like the Rockets and the Lakers, to their slow starts, obviously the Lakers have been playing better, so the Rockets they weren't beating every team they were supposed to beat. So it's important, you know? It's really easy to say, oh, it doesn't matter, they beat the Magic. But if they lost to the Magic, you'd feel really crappy about it. Also, that was Chris right. Ryan uh, from The Ringer who said, uh, right trade, wrong time, or wrong guy, whatever you said. Shout yeah, out, yeah, right trade, wrong guy. Shout yep. out Chris Ryan from The Ringer. And um, I think now the dynamic of this team gets spiced up a little bit. And then, obviously, something that comes into play here is Jimmy Butler's 
uh, exuberance? Is that a, a, a worthy word right there? Like Jimmy Butler's aggressiveness, abrace, I mean, abrasiveness? I don't yeah, know. I, I go more like abrasive. Right. So, Frank, I was going to go to you. You know, obviously, Cat and Wiggins, there's been talks about what kind of dog do they have in their fight. Are they really uh, strong competitors? Did Butler clash with them? Seems like he obviously did. Now you talk about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Those guys do seem like ultra competitors. So, Frank, break down the Jimmy Butler dynamic compared to Cat and Wiggins to now what you see with two superstars who are probably both ahead, well, definitely both ahead of Cat and Wiggins in Ben Simmons and Embiid. How do you see that fit? Yeah, so I just wanted to also make one quick point on um, the, the the right deal at the wrong time or the right deal, wrong player. Um, I feel like that's kind of hindsight 2020 because I'm pretty sure – if I remember correctly, that Marco Fultz was implicated in those trade talks for Kawhi Leonard last year. And back back last year, everybody still had high hopes for him. I think that's kind of changing now, so people are kind of more flirting with that idea. Like, you know, Well, the thing with the Spurs were, the, the, the Spurs didn't even want Markel Fultz. That was the weird part. Like He was they being knew. mentioned in packages, and then later found out that the Spurs were not interested in him, which is really telling. They knew. Yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, I, I I shouldn't be going here first, but I am. But the the free throws the other night, man, one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen, and I, I have a comparison for it. It's very weird. Today I came home and my mom couldn't find her phone. I just like couldn't fathom the fact that it wasn't anywhere. You know, she knew exactly when she lost it. We retraced all the steps, but it was nowhere to be found, and I was genuinely befuddled. And I just remember the same feeling yesterday watching this video on Instagram. Just, like, genuine puzzlement at what is going on. Like, this is a professional basketball player. This is worse than, like, a catcher with the yips not being able to, like, you know, probably throw it to the – like, this is worse than John Lester not being able to throw over to first base, in my opinion. Like, it's affecting him, affecting perception of him. Um, And I don't know, man. I don't know if there's something – there i don't know if it's physical mental whatever it is but it's like oh, what worries me i don't know well, if that's it's hard me, it's true it's truly hard to watch it it like it yeah it's cringeworthy and i hate to use that term of just about watching somebody shoot a basketball but very really, applicable here it really is like i remember a co-worker popped in past my desk today he's like oh what, what's going on with this fultz guy he knows a big nba fan and i was like dude i'll show you a video and you're just gonna go like Oh, as soon as you watch him shoot the free throw, because you're just like, wait, what do you do? Oh no, what is that? He did it like four oh. times. He did it like four times. I don't know what's going on with him. And in the the press conference, Jimmy Butler was asked about Markel Fultz specifically. I forget the exact question, but his answer was essentially, you know, I'm, most of this game is mental. He's he's like ninety percent of this game is mental, and if you think you can do something, you you can do it. You know, because everyone at this this level is really talented and they have an elite skill and have the right mindset. And if you have the right mindset, you can really push yourself to do what you think you need to do. And I can't, I, I know he works hard. I've seen him or I was, I've talked to people close to him, you know, over the summer, I knew he was out in LA working out and I know he's a hard worker. And if a guy is working that hard, I'm not going to fault him for it, which is basically, I, I, as soon as I heard that, that was like, Whoa, that's definitely a backhanded, uh, compliment um, to yeah. to Minnesota, like to Towns and Wiggins, hundred percent, right? right? So yeah, absolutely, and, and that's gonna like lead me into 
the question you asked. Like, uh, I think Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I, I don't know. I don't really see much power struggle. I see three guys with a common goal. Um, they want to win. And uh, I kind of admire them for that. I do. Um, and I'm actually very interested in it. I was kind of writing off the East a little bit after watching the first couple of weeks. Like, the Bucks are better than I thought, but I don't know if they're good enough to dethrone the Celtics team when they're clicking. Uh, especially in a playoff series where they can run a 10-man rotation that seems like two starting lineups. Um, and, in the and playoffs, was, the rotations tighten up, though. Sixers was a team. What's up? I was just going to say, like, in, in the playoffs, the rotations tighten up. Like, everyone said that about the Raptors last year, right? But then they still go down to seven, eight guys anyway. Yeah. So yep. Celtics probably end up doing the same thing. Yeah, but even even so, they have they have the best choice like the best plethora of any team to pick from. Overall. I just think in in the like at the end of the day, in the playoffs, it's all about who's got the better player. Well, better yeah. player generally wins the series. What I was gonna say though, in, in regards to Frank's point, is yeah, it may tighten up the seven, but that seven doesn't have to be the same every single night. And you've seen it mm-hmm. with the sure. Warriors, where and you that, know that's kind of what that Celtics team with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett kind of did. If you if you remember, probably. There were a couple Eddie of House. Eddie House. Eddie House. Um James Posey had a couple of yes. games in the playoffs. Oh. Um Talk dirty to me right now. Baby I love those Davis. guys. Big Baby Davis had monster games in the playoffs. People forget that. And you know, people also forget, and I forgot until he said it on a podcast that I was listening to. Nate Robinson had some big Boston playoff moments. And that's no kappa. That's no joke. Um <laughs> So I, I, I just kind of like that. Um, but, but my greater point was going to be that this, to me, closes the gap vastly. This puts the Sixers like 1A, 1B. Celtics are 1A, Sixers are 1B, in my opinion. Uh, or Toronto's been very good, obviously. Might be better than both of them. Kawhi Leonard, I think, is the best player in the East. Um, but regardless, uh, I think the Sixers vaulted themselves up into that conversation after a kind of mediocre start that you alluded to in your answer. But um, I, I think the personality matches. I think Jimmy Butler goes there. They're working hard-nosed team. They play defense to their best ability. They get buckets. They just don't have a closer. And guess what? They just got a really good one. So, yeah, and they've struggled a lot winning games on the road this year, 2-6 and six on the road. And tomorrow, or Wednesday night, they have uh, – they're on the road against the Magic. And the most important thing is having that superstar guy that can close games out for you. And that's exactly what you get in Jimmy Butler. So you don't have to worry about Simmons pounding the ball, trying to find an open man while the like five defenders have their back completely turned to them because they're not worried about him, right? So now they have to respect Jimmy Butler. And hopefully that opens up some space because you're not really worried about him kicking it out to Sarge to create or J.J. Redick to create or Fultz to shoot at all. It's It's really... You have to respect those guys' shots, but that's about it. You close out hard, make them put the ball on the floor, and you feel like you're winning the possession. With Jimmy Butler, that's not the case. So I have two things here. First off, I want to say that Jimmy Butler, if he was worried about playing with some real hard-ass competitors, if you've watched Joel Embiid this year, you don't have to worry about that anymore because that dude wants to kill people. He really yeah. wants to kill people, and I know any people, other center in the East that like ever has been talked about, he just makes it a point to like destroy them. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what Andre Drummond was thinking. That and was Andre wild. Drummer, even Hassan Whiteside, every time he goes to, to Miami, he fucking balls out, dude. But uh, sorry to cut you off. No, it's all good. I was just going to say, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, and obviously you two know this very well, that when we talk about whose teams is this, and we're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, I've been a strong advocate of this being Ben Simmons' team. And this year it's obviously been a little disappointing for Ben Simmons. His numbers haven't exactly gone up. He can't shoot still. So it's a little disappointing. And Embiid has really taken the role as, like, I am going to eat no matter what, and I will keep this team in a game. We'll see what happens down the stretch. Jimmy Butler obviously being one of those guys who is a closer and is a hard-ass defender. So that seems like a good mesh. My next question is, there's an obviously there's an obvious four people who will be closing games now. It's Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. Who is their fifth guy to close games? Is it going to be Mike Muscala? Is it like, is it going to be Shamit, another shooter to Major space the Shamit. floor? Yeah. Like, can, I, can I say something real quick? Absolutely, I'm opening it up here because I don't, I don't know who that fifth guy is right now. Did you see what Mike Muscala's dad uh, was tweeting about Jimmy Butler? Yeah, but Muscala, Muscala came out. Say. Yeah, Muscala came out and basically, like, for anyone who doesn't know, it was, it was like pretty, pretty racist tweet about. Um, how Jimmy Butler was doing something that was like really detrimental to the team and unintelligent and all this stuff. Essentially saying he suffers from a syndrome, uh, a pretty taboo word. So you can put two and two together. Um, and basically was just calling like ego maniacalism, which I don't think Jimmy Butler is an egomaniac. <laughs> He was calling that. Well, he, maybe, maybe. I don't think he's an ego. He definitely has an ego. That doesn't make him an egomaniac. But we'll regardless, <laughs> regardless, I don't think, you know, I don't I, I don't know if that, I feel like Jimmy Butler is the kind of guy to like say something like, what the fuck's up with your pops, man? You know? So I don't know. But um, I, I don't think it's Mike Muscala. I think it's, I don't know. Honestly, it don't might know. be Wilson Chandler when he gets back and healthy. You would, you would hope a guy could play the four. He, he, I, do, I don't necessarily hope. I would rather be Bielitsa. I hate Wilson Chandler as a Bielitsa player. Like I liked him on the on Knicks, the Kings, and then when he went bro. to the Nuggets, I really wasn't about it. Bielitsa he really is, has tailed off in the past few years. Bielitsa is on the Kings. Get over it, Duff. I'm not. I won't. I can't. Can you make a side <laughs> mention about them? Who? Oh. Or the Kings? Oh, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's we'll get to him. We'll get to him. Let's yeah. stick here with, with them for a yeah. second. Like, Seriously though, because I'm I'm seriously I'm concerned about that fifth guy. It matters. It got to be someone who's gonna play a role. It's got to be a guy who's either gonna hit a corner three or a guy who's gonna bang down low and grab an offensive rebound or take a charge on the defensive end. And and the options really only include Muscala, Shamit, Amir Johnson, T.J. McConnell, and Wilson Chandler when he's healthy. Like who is going to be that guy? T.J. McConnell. <sighs> I guess like is he shoot well enough? So is, uh, is that is a guard? He can't shoot well enough. Like I, I, I could see it being Amir Johnson just for the sake of veterans. Adding Jimmy Butler as an individual defender next to Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. I think he uh, maybe JJ Redick and him can't be in at the same time. Maybe you're right on that. Um, I don't know, but I, I feel like he actually plays good team defense. He's in passing lanes and stuff like that. Like yeah, he probably get blown by by your typical NBA athlete, but. He gets by. There's a reason he's still around. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, let's just say that doesn't matter right now. Let's just say it doesn't matter who the fifth guy is. They got to work that that kink. Who's going to close the fifth the the game as that fifth guy? Um, but let's say the more important question here 
and maybe it's not important, but it is to me right now, and it is for this podcast at the very moment. So we're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. Whose teams is this? Whose teams is this? Is it Butler's now? Is he going to assert himself as the guy, as the closer? Is it going to be Joel Embiid? Or is Ben Simmons still going to have the ball in his hand and being asked to create for one of these other guys when we come down the stretch? What, what do you guys see playing out when you need somebody on the Sixers to take charge and say, I got this? Who is that guy? I mean, right now, as it's been all season, it's Joel Embiid. Like, it, it really just has been. Last year, everyone was going crazy over Ben Simmons because he was the new kid on the block and he was balling out. He's been a little down this year. Defenses seem to figure him out. And by figure him out, I mean completely ignore him. And Joel Embiid has just been dominating. He's just been do- He's been, like, other than Anthony Davis, he's been the best center in the league. Like Joel Embi- so, And even that's an argument. Like, Embiid's him an or MVP Anthony Davis. candidate right now. What'd you say? Embiid is an MVP candidate right now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just a dominant personality. I don't think he's a hard guy to get along with, but on the court, he is just he he's has just this this gravity about him and it's undeniable. So for me right now it's Joel Embiid. Frank, what do you think? Uh, I mean I think it's I think it's gonna be Jimmy Butler and I think it's gonna be for for a different reason than you may think I'm going to give. But um, I think it's because the the two young guys are going to give it to him. Ah, think, you think they're going to defer think, a little bit? I think so. I think they kind of understand where they're at right now and that they kind of need some help. And Jimmy Butler is proven that he can carry a bad team in the East to the playoffs when he did it with the Bulls. So I'm sure he can carry a good team. And he probably doesn't have to carry like he did. So I think giving him the the alpha role will serve like a double purpose for them. Um, in relieving Ben Simmons, I think Ben Simmons is going to benefit from this more than Joel Embiid because how much more can he benefit? We you know we mentioned he's balling out already, but um this is going to open up the floor for Ben Simmons again. You know it gives another guy to make plays. It gives another guy that they can't help off of. And yeah. things of that nature. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to defer. Uh, I-, I think they're open to this. Uh, like I said before, I genuinely believe this team is about winning. It's something I admire about them. So um, I-, I see them deferring to the guy who is right now, he probably is the best player. Joel's probably not far. Um, but I would say Jimmy is still better right now. I would think... As of, like you know, if you're picking one guy for your future franchise, you probably don't pick Jimmy because he's older. But he's right now, better. this season, mm-hmm, exactly. So the one thing I'm most excited for is their defense. Yeah, it's not even their, their defense offense. should be incredible. It really should just turn back up to that top-notch yeah. level they were at last year, and then some, yeah. and then because all three of those guys are just elite defenders, and yeah, you have two perimeter defenders one of whom can guard ben simmons can guard one through five jimmy butler can go one through four probably i mean he's six eight but i think ben simmons is bigger like he's six ten but i think he's beefier also and then joel Embiid is a legit defense defense player of the year candidate uh after last season i think he finished third so this is going to be lockdown defense and that was the thing that jimmy butler harped on in his press conference he was saying I'm looking forward to playing defense with these guys. The offense will come. I'm not worried about that. If I have to work off ball um, and cut 
cut, set screens, like I'm okay with that. I want to work in the flow of an offense. It's much easier than creating on your own or having to do pick and roll every time down the court. Right. So I'm not worried about the offense. The defense is what I'm going to be most excited for because, you know, if I need to get the ball, I'll just go steal it. You know, I don't have to wait for a pass. We can create our own offense. Absolutely. One more note on that, too. Um, I think Robert Covington is the most overrated defender in the league by far. Spicy. Um, he made I don't all... think that's even spicy. Frank, keep going. It's not <laughs> spicy, and it's like easily proven. He got all-team first defense last year and got roasted for how many games did they played against the Celtics? Five? Did they win one? Five. They won one game. He, he looked so bad in that five series. Five straight games. Absolutely roasted by a rookie Jason Tatum. He also forgot Wasn't how to shoot. Close. It he also forgot how to dribble. Like, yeah, he had yeah. such a bad playoff run. He, it was he bad. Roy, he had a Roy Hibbert-esque moment. He had Harrison Barnes in the finals that one-year moment. Oh, yep. God. No, that's, yep. a good, that's a good point, Frank. And, I, honestly, I was just thinking this. Uh, Sarich, you hate to see him leave, but, like, you know what? Yeah. They brought back Jimmy Butler. He may do – he may have the production of Covington and Sarich combined, and that's just being honest. Like, he really might. He might not have – I mean – He could. I mean, again, both of them – That's not – I don't think that's spicy either. Honestly, and neither of them no were having a particularly good season. Yeah, yeah, it's no slight at them. Jimmy Butler is that good too. Like he he brings all that they bring and more. All right. Well, I have one more question, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we got to keep this thing moving. I just want to ask you guys quick opinion. Make it quick. Make it snappy. With Markel Fultz, I don't want to give up yet, but it's making it. It's getting harder and harder every time. He's making it hard on us. Um, do you see him completely falling out of the rotation? Do you see him getting traded, or do you see him surging to become a, a true NBA player? Frank, you uh, go first. Yeah, no, I don't see it. I, I'm all the way out on this dude. Um, I just, I get like maybe the talent's there, and he's a hard worker, but it doesn't show, and that scares me. Like, you got guys like like uh, the Knicks are a great example. They have undrafted guys, guys who've been cut from teams and signed again. Um, and Trey Burke and Alonzo Trier, and, like, they just get it more than him. And uh, to, to me, it just seems like a thing. Like, he just – I don't know what it is. He just doesn't get it. Uh, I, I'm not going to say he's done completely, but I don't see it panning out in Philadelphia. That's that's for sure. Um, so, shout-out Bab. He actually came home for a little while. He was I was talking to him. Uh, about this very thing and he said his brother uh shout out jason was actually emailing with drew hanlon over the summer and into the season excuse me he's been trying yeah he's been trying to get an internship with him for like the longest time and he was asking about markel full specifically that's crazy so yeah um <laughs> we haven't been on the pod since uh since i saw him and i heard this story so and you wait until thirty minutes into this one to bring it up. That's that's what. It was, well, now it's completely relevant, could <laughs> due to the question, Pete. <laughs> okay. Um. So, back to back to it. So he's emailing back and forth, and basically, he's like, "What did you do with Markel this summer?" And he wasn't getting too specific. He was like, "You know, we probably we took over a hundred thousand shots this summer with Markel, and basically, Ooh. the idea was we need to see him, like we want him to see." the ball go through the hoop as many times as possible to get the confidence back up and show that he can really do it. But like the flip side of that coin is how many did he see himself miss? And also 
if you're just telling him to put shots up and he had a shooting form that was really good, his mechanics were fine, and then all of a sudden it went away, and it's really broken now, like, why are you just keep repeating that motion that's not good? Like, why are you still doing that? So if I was Drew Hanlon, I would have made him shoot without a basket. Like, take the basket totally out of the equation and see what would have happened. That's crazy. And just make him shoot at nothing. And just see... Make him shoot the ball straight up in the air as hard as he can, like a thousand times, so that he just gets rid of that hitch because he keeps like stopping and pausing. So make him just shoot it as hard as like get that fluid motion back. Like that's the, that's what you want. And the problem with and, that, also off that real quick, sorry to cut you off. The one yeah. thing that works for him right now is that little mid range floater jumper that he does, and that's yeah. like the only shot in the league where a hitch actually works because you're at the top of your shot, you have the strength to get to the hoop no matter what, and he can kind of just push it in. And he's found some success with that. Obviously, it's not been a great percentage, but he's found some success with that. He obviously feels more comfortable with that. So that might have continued to to hinge his recreation of the shot because that one thing that allows the hitch, he keeps falling back on. Yeah, and it's. And it's pro- and it's less of a hitch when he shoot pulls up because he's in rhythm and he's doing it quickly and he's not thinking about it. So I had the same thing with a kid I went to high school with. He had a weird hitch in his shot, similar to Markel's, but like honestly a little worse. And but it, but it like just started from a weird position. Like you bring it to his forehead, stop, and then shoot it like straight out. But like when he pulled up off a jump shot, it was kind of the same thing where the hitch worked. So he brought it straight up, paused at his peak, and then let it go. And it was because he was in rhythm and not thinking about it. And I don't I don't know how you fix this shot without completely reconstructing it. Like, I know people don't want to do that, but we've been shooting jump shots for like 100 years, and we have a pretty good idea of what it's supposed to look like, right? So that's what, pe- that's what the Spurs did with Kawhi. Like, there's nothing – when I think of the most basic nothing jump shot, I think of Kawhi Leonard. And I don't mean that in like a bad way. Like there's nothing – there's it, nothing simple. Yeah. inefficient about it in any way at all. He brings it straight up in front of his in front of his face, releases like starts to release it right over his forehead and just extends out and he's perfectly balanced straight up and down. Like the closest to Clay Thompson I think is Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, in that sense. These are always the same separation too, like same base yep. and everything. I, I would agree with that. Uh, and it's funny cuz both of those guys kind of do shoot like robots like it's the and same it's, motion every time. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're coming off the screen, off the dribble. Like it's it's one motion. It's that, and it's consistent, and it pays off. It does. It's, it's, it alludes to what you said. We've we've been able to study the jump shot for so long. We know what it should look like. We know you know generalities about it. And and Fultz is so far off that spectrum right now. I agree. You, you got to start from square one because whatever foundation was there is it's rotted and the house that's on top is, is collapsing and it's collapsing fast. But I'm worried for the kid. I don't want to see him, but you know, I you hate to see guys fucking not pan out. Like, yeah, it's tough. And you but, know what? The Sixers were one of the more interesting teams in the league already. And now with Jimmy Butler being added and Marco Fultz still being there, they are 1000% must watch TV, especially for the next couple of weeks. So we'll be tuned in on League Pass and their national games, of course. And I wanted to talk about Minnesota because obviously they were the other part of this trade. But frankly, mm-hmm. we don't have the time. <laughs> we don't have Yeah, time. honestly, I, I, I got one else? sentence on Minnesota. Fire tips. That's what you can say, do. Uh, Go back, read my SBNY article from 
two like a year and a half ago, that's that's what you should have done is just not do it. Yeah, I, I can be real concise on it, right? Carl Anthony Towns balled out the first game. Jimmy wasn't there. So it's clear he's kind of got that mentality. He's got to be surrounded by people he likes. And you know what I mean? He doesn't like having somebody who doesn't like him or whatever. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, still a bum, has been a bum, will be a bum. Nothing's going to change there. Uh, Derrick Rose revitalization is probably my favorite storyline in the entire NBA season. I'm with that. Shout out Derrick Rose, bro. It's been very fun to watch him play. Um, Real quick, and I legit want yes or no. I don't want even sentences. I want yes or no. Do the Timberwolves make the playoffs? Fuck no. Uh, No. West is too. The West is too deep. I agree with you guys. They do not make the playoffs, and that's going to be a real, a real scar on the career of Cat and Wiggins. But we'll see how it goes for them in their post-Jimmy Butler world. But anyways, Sports Blog New York podcast and NBA Outsiders edition, Pete, Duff, and Bab. Nope, not Bab, Frank. Uh, sorry, we're just talking about Bab. I, my, my shouts, Frank. shouts Bab, though. Shouts Bab. Shouts Bab. Shouts to you as well, Frank. Moving on to the Warriors, um, we got to talk about this Kevin Durant stuff because it, it's it's more real than it may seem. You know, like this is a, this is an easy thing where if you don't really pay full attention to it, or if you're not paying attention to all the tea leaves, you can easily write it off and say, "Ah, teammates fight. They're both ultra competitors. Durant wanted the ball. Draymond thought he was making a play. Eh, move on to the next one, right?" But then these comments come out that Draymond Green specifically brought up the fact that Kevin Durant's impending free agency is near, and no one knows what he's going to do, including the people inside the Warriors organization. And then also the fact that the Warriors suspended Draymond Green without pay on uh, this Hawks game here shows that the Warriors have a little bit of pause when it comes to the situation as well. So I don't want to gloss over it. I don't want to just say, oh, it's two competitors just getting feisty. This may be something more real. May it be the end of Draymond Green in Golden State? May it be the end of Kevin Durant in Golden State? Hell, could it be both? I don't know. But this feels real. Duff, am I crazy for thinking that there's something to this? Um, I think there's something to this. I don't think there's as much as everyone is making it out to be. It is fun to talk about because the only thing we talk about when it comes to the Warriors is how amazing they are. Um, and when it's going to fall apart. And when it's going to fall apart. But Dr- like, Draymond's still going to be on the team this year, next year, and then he's going to be a free agent in 2020. I don't think... Like, I don't know why, if this is true that he brought this comment up in the middle of the huddle, like going into overtime, which I don't believe because that would be just so unbelievably stupid. And I I, like Shams tweeted, like tweeted that out and I'd send it to you guys immediately, immediately. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't think that was true, but that them getting in a fight is something. Two guys are highly competitive and there can be. There's like no two ways about it. This is absolutely the wrong play by Draymond Green to not give the ball to Kevin Durant to go up the court. Like, if that was Steph Curry, he passes the ball a thousand times out of a thousand, you know? So I, I don't know what that is between Draymond and KD. That was just an unbelievably boneheaded play. And the fact that he can come back to the huddle after the game and be like arguing that in any way is just like insanity to me, which is probably why he got suspended. Um, so the the best argument you can make if you're the Warriors to keep KD like on your team is just to play good basketball, play smart basketball, play the right way. And 
that was an example that was not an example of doing those things and that like that's the number one most important thing to keeping kd on this team it's like be good be fun to play with win a championship right and then after that it's just stay healthy like steph curry staying healthy clay thompson staying healthy draymond green staying healthy those are all tied for like the second most important thing collectively and that's really all it takes like i don't know why he's trying to poke the bear here with all this bullshit um but it's like totally bizarre to me and i don't know what is going to come of this i i would think not much i think in a week they'll move past it and people won't talk about it again but that's just my two cents i mean if they lose to the hawks tonight that would be an unbelievable story going into going into uh the rest of the week yeah. so and this podcast still a three-point game this podcast would quickly be rendered irrelevant because of how big a topic that'll be across uh as sports media i mean people will be freaking out <laughs> if the warriors lose to the hawks here uh but i'm I, three at the half still i said on twitter and i was a little upset i thought i was gonna get a little more love but it didn't let me let me play this uh line to you guys and see what you think that. i was gonna mention it in my answer well, let me shout this out. Yeah, let me shout this out real quick. So basically my take on this is that Draymond Green is the guy who started going out with the girl who was cheating on her boyfriend with him, right? So Draymond Green was the side piece. And now that Kevin Durant said significant other, maybe looking at other options, he's shocked that there might be another side piece out there when he was once a side piece. Yep. So it's it's kind of crazy to me that Draymond Green was calling this dude after he just went back from down 3-1 on him and calling him in the parking lot like they said that they did. And now, three years later, Kevin Durant may be interested in some somebody else, and he's shocked after he just was the reason for the betrayal in the first place? I mean, a little crazy to me that Draymond Green doesn't have that self-awareness, except it's not that crazy because it's Draymond Green. He's kind of a loose cannon. But... What do you think of that analogy? Because that's what it feels like to me. Draymond Green is now that's, sensitive because he was the side piece, became the main piece, and now he's Mikey kicked to the curb. I mean, I, I was gonna go the same route. I was gonna, I was, I was dead ass gonna shout you out, bro. Dead ass, that Island. Thanks, to the thanks, bro. Right thanks, um, bro. But yeah, I, I feel like it's so true. And when Duff first sent that, uh, that message, I, I kind of, I was with him. I was like, nah, dude, that's out of this world crazy like what and then i kind of thought about it more and more and more and i talked about it a little bit and i kind of came to the conclusion like draymond green kind of is an irrational emotional dude like you just mentioned there were stories of him crying in his car calling kevin durant you know while they were down to the cast because they needed him and they'd never you know lose with him so there there's an element to that to that that like leads me to believe that yeah maybe Maybe he did bring something up because he's upset or something of that nature. And, like, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to go about this. But, like, dissension festers. It's not something that starts off, like, like the Warriors falling apart is not going to happen with the snap of a finger. Like, 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 Thanos and his gauntlet can't snap the Warriors out of existence. But small, like, you, like we mentioned before, like, it's death by a thousand cuts. That's what you know, will kill a team like that. And I think this is the first cut in a long line. Like Draymond Green was so emotional on the side of the court that DeMarcus Cousins was the voice of reason. And I know a lot of people say, oh, he gets bad rap, bad rap this. But 
Uh, I'm still going to go on the point that if if that man is the voice of reason on the sidelines, something's going on, something not right, probably. So uh, I think there's more to this than Duff thinks. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot to this, but I, I don't think Kevin Durant's going back. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't think I, what his brother commented on that post. I don't even think Kevin Durant knows. And yeah, I did see that. And if anyone didn't, just to to give people a heads up, basically he commented on one of KD's Instagrams, like, "We're just here to fill up our hand with rings to get out of here." He said that it was about in the league in general, like get the rings, get the money, and then did that get resurface out of the again? No, it, was just, it just happened. No, but a while I, ago. I just like like I feel like that those are the type of people that would know things along that line that would know insider things like maybe well it's all part of the grand scheme is how, the way i look at it it's all part of the tea I mean, leaves Jimmy, it's all piece of the puzzle was, exactly. it's a piece of the puzzle it's all pieces of the puzzle but, and if you but, ask me my most honest opinion right now i don't believe that kevin durant knows if he's going to leave and if so where he's going to go he doesn't seem like the type of guy who is thinking that far ahead like like, all he's told us, and Kevin Durant has done more than a lot of other superstars when he sits down on Bill Simmons' podcast for two hours at a time and gets a little drunk and just speaks the truth, in my opinion. So the way I see him is a guy who legit loves basketball, loves the game from his team to the worst team in the league. Like, he's shouting out Alonzo Trier. Like, Alonzo Trier, in the grand scheme of things right now, is a nice little undrafted story. But he doesn't mean anything to KD and the Warriors, and it doesn't mean he's coming to the Knicks, and it doesn't mean that he's going to the Lakers. But Kevin Durant loves the ball. He loves basketball. And at the end of the season, I think he is going to weigh out his options. And I think you're you're crazy to believe that he's not going to do that. And I think back to when Kevin Durant first joined the Warriors. When Draymond Green would go off on his little tirades, KD was the guy who would step in right off the bat. Like literally the first couple games of the season, he's new to the team. Draymond Green freaks out at the ref or at an opposing player. And KD was the guy in his face saying, yo, chill, we're good, we're good. Because Steph and, Steph and Clay are so calm, cool, collected most of the time that they don't even want to deal with that. They're just like, all right, Draymond, do your thing, bro. We'll be fine. Clay's just so Yeah, they probably crazy. just don't even get it. So They're just Clay like, why are you tough. like that? Right, exactly. Steph, so Steph is my, that lax and religious. Clay's just baked off of, off of that. <laughs> what I want to see, though, what I want to see is from this point moving forward, is KD still going to be one of the first people to to get in front of Draymond and be like, yo, dude, chill, we're good. We're going to win this game. We're going to make it happen. Like, is he going to be that guy still? Or is he going to just be balling, doing his thing, and keeping a distance? Is, is there going to be a distance? Is there going to be a tension? Thankfully, though, they have Steve Kerr, who is the ultimate cool, calm, collected guy in like all of basketball right now. He can downplay anything and... The the one thing that yeah exactly and the one thing he may not get credit for some people say oh it's easy to coach such a great team with so much great talent and whatever the one thing he doesn't get credit for is managing absolute superstars and then a guy like Draymond Green who's a loose cannon so I'm not worried about the Warriors right now but I do believe that once the season's over championship or not KD is gonna say what are my options here where do I want to go what's my next chapter. So there's so, there's something to it. I I don't think there's that much to it yet. We'll see. Like the, they were having fun. The Warriors made the regular season fun. Like all right, Steph, you go off. All right, Clay, you go off. All right, Damian Jones, get some sick alley oops this game. Like whatever. That's the best thing they can do is to distract themselves and try to keep doing crazy shit like that until Boogie comes back, and then they have something really serious to rally around. So. This could be the first step in the downfall, or fall, or it could just be like a blip on the radar. We'll see. Only time can tell. Absolutely. And I know um, 
Shout out back uh, to the Chris Ryan Ringer podcast I just listened to before we were recording with him and Bill Simmons. We're talking about the Celtics um, with Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Rajon Rondo. All the reports have come out years past now that Rondo and Ray Allen didn't talk to each other for like half of the entire season and didn't talk to each other in the playoffs, and yet they made it to Game 7 of the Finals. So I don't think this is going to hinder the on-court product, but maybe Draymond's a little jealous that all these guys are getting gaudy numbers and he just can't do shit. <laughs> like he, All he can do is get rebounds and assists Yo. and not score. Like I don't Yo, know. for real, I'm so tired of him. Like I, I hate watching him play the offense. It's like so painful. Like th- right. There was a viral clip that went around like where everything's they're just passing it around the the arc and Draymond keeps getting at the top of the key and then the defense breaks down Draymond takes like one dribble tosses up to Damian Jones for alley oop he dunks it. What people weren't watching was that Draymond passed up three wide open threes. Like I hate that. I hate watching that. It's like can you do anything on the offensive end? Like can you just not make a wide open three? Like I don't understand. Like what you you've been in the league for like six seven years. Like why can you not shoot the ball? I don't get it. Draymond that's, Green. All right. is that's al- just one thing with him that's so unbelievably frustrating. Draymond Green yeah. is also the guy in the in like the rec center who's just playing pickup ball, who is like walking around the court like he is the guy. Yeah, like, he's the football player who just bangs bodies and not, just doesn't have any like actual skills. Well, that's not. I don't know if I'd go there. He's a, he's got a great. He's the uh, NBA I'm equivalent with, of anyway, that. I'm whipped up on that. That's actually. fair enough. But, uh, I'm not saying great. he's he's like a good passer. That goes he's to my point though. Competent ball handler, so that Steph and Clay can and and KD can all just run off screens and get open for open shots. Like my, that's point. all good. That's really valuable. And he was really good in their first finals when they were doubling. Uh, Steph off those pick and rolls and then they dump it to him and he makes a good decision. All that stuff is great. It's just unbelievably frustrating for me to watch him like not have any other like scoring ability. It's crazy. Exactly. But like like I said with the rec center, he's the guy who's the first one there. So he picks up the best player and his team wins like eight in a row and runs the court. But everybody knows he's not the reason they're winning. He's just on the team. He's doing a great job. He's doing the little things. He's like whatever. But realistically, he's we the know, ultimate garbage garbage guy. We know he's kicking yeah. it to some other dude to score the buckets. Like you know what I'm saying. So he is that guy, yeah. and it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but we do have to keep this thing moving again because I want to talk about some other things. We got to talk um, about two more specific stuff, and then we're gonna pop around and play our favorite game of real or not real about certain teams and players in the NBA. So one thing though, I want to just shout out real quick, and we've been on the pod. Me and Duff did a whole long thing about the Knicks and Nets a couple weeks back that yeah, we got some good feedback on. Some people really said they enjoyed that. They enjoyed the breakdown of the Knicks and Nets players that we talked about. And I was very adamantly hyping this one dude up, and his name is Karis LeVert. He's been having a fantastic season. He's been getting the national media NBA hype, not just the New York local hype. He's been really putting up great numbers. He's been closing games. And to see his injury last night, or two nights ago now, uh, was brutal. It was really brutal. And it brought me back to seeing Gordon Hayward and that absolutely helpless feeling of seeing an athlete pour everything into something and, and if for it to break in one second. Um, three seconds left in the second quarter, about to go into halftime, tight game in Minnesota, and his leg shifts in some crazy direction that you don't want to even see. But thankfully today we got really good news, and you're not usually happy about hearing of a dislocated foot and ankle, but when there's no breaks or fractures, moderate ligament damage, and no surgery needed, it was the absolute best news for Karis LeVert. And they say he can be back this season, guys. This season. He can be back in like three weeks. He's going to be bouncing around. It's crazy. Is this the first no-no-yes injury of all time? 
I think if, like, uh, I don't. I, I can't think of another one. I mean, there's always like every time LeBron gets hurt, yours. Well, at least when we he used to. Think well, get when hurt. unless he gets a basically broken hand, right? <laughs> yeah. When yeah, LeBron yeah. used to go down back in the day, now we just kind of are used to it. He used to go down, and you're like, oh my god, did LeBron just get hurt for the first time ever? And then he pop up and be fine, or he just had cramps. Like maybe that's like a no, no, yes, but even still, that's not even close to. Karis LeVert's ankle you know, turning and then being I, I okay. Good, I have a good comparison for it. Um, I was watching the, I believe it was the Rams game a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Brandon Cooks got taken out head to head, and he was on the floor knocked out. It kind of felt like that moment where you don't know if it could have been something super serious, like this guy could have just broke his neck or. It's still serious, but a concussion definitely not as serious as you know, broken neck or broken back. And, and I feel like that's the kind of gas moment I had when that happened. Kind of, same thing with Gordon Hayward. Even uh, we mentioned the, in our group chat, even going back to the dude at Louisville, and even Paul George, it gave you that feeling. It gave you a feeling of just sick to your stomach, pain in your own ankle. You know, terrible to see. But on on the rebound, it it it's not as bad as it was on the surface. Like. Uh, that was scary. And it's really unfortunate as the Nets are rattling it off uh, a pretty good stretch of games where they're competing with great teams. They had just beaten the Nuggets in Denver. They were the first team at the time to beat Denver at home this season until the Rockets did it uh, last night. So the Nets had a little sauce. They had a little juice going. Levert was was proving himself as a real NBA player, as a real uh, future maybe all-star. Oh, yeah, like... When people were saying for the Nets to trade for Jimmy Butler and the Nets were like, no way we're giving you Levert, like now the outpour has come to fruition here of why people love this guy so much and what he can do on the court. So I'm just I'm just pumped to see this news here and that it is what it is. Um, real quick on the Nets, though, guys. I just want to – just because Levert makes us all think about the Nets totally. Uh, what, what are we thinking of of kind of their, their whole thing here? I know we all speak very highly of Kenny Atkinson. Do we think there's a guy on this team who, in the absence of Levert, can kind of show out and keep this team afloat to be to be respectable in the East like they've been so far? Uh, no. no. But I do think they have another cornerstone piece in Jared Allen. I just don't think he's far enough along as an offensive player or even just maturity defensively. He has... He's a Clint Capella type. He's not going to carry yeah. your offense. Yeah, exactly. He He's somebody who needs a lot of help offensively to get going and stuff like that. But um, they have pieces. They have a culture which uh, after, you know, that unfortunate, whatever you want to call it with the Celtics, I, I call it a rape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> time's uh, time's well, up. Yeah, I mean, bro. Time's up. I know. That's, that's how bad it was. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. I'm not wrong. I, I know I'm not wrong. Um, so th- they're they're trending in the right direction. You hate to see it. Um, it it's unfortunate, but unfortunate at the same time. As like you said, no, no, yes. Uh, yeah, man. I, I just I was watching it and it hurt me. It hurt me. Well, unfortunately, we said the Sixers were becoming more interesting. The Nets have become a little slightly less interesting. But the comeback for Levert will definitely be. 
uh, having an eye kept on that for sure. And we'll be talking more Nets and Knicks in the future on the SBNY podcast and NBA Outsiders. Um, nothing to add though on the Knicks right now, unfortunately. I mean, we could we could talk about Mitchell Robinson, but we don't have to. Uh, we don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not I mean, pushing Mitchell anything Robinson. here. I mean, he's got some sick highlights. What a, not, like, there's not much he else to it. I mean, he's doing what we thought he would do right now. All right, all right. He's all right. Better than DeAndre Jordan. Hey. Already. Spicy. Already. already. I like yeah, it. And he's not. When you said that, but it's true. I, I, I love it. It's music to my ears, Frank. Anyways, moving Dude, on. You know what? Put Mitchell Robinson on the same team with Chris Paul like three years ago. See what happens. Lob City. Um, anyways, moving on to another situation in the NBA that has become the talk of the town, the talk of NBA Twitter. From players, for former and current, saying, put some respect on this dude's name to NBA Twitter trolls saying this guy is absolute trash and get him the hell out of here. He was never that good and he was overrated and blah, blah, blah. And everybody in between who slightly defend him, who think he still stinks but also want to respect his name, there's a lot going on with Carmelo Anthony right now. And the reports are saying his time in Houston is all but over. So I don't want to make this a complete mellow conversation, even though it probably is. I also want to keep this a Houston Rockets conversation because – What I was pointing out to you guys in our group chat earlier today was the fact that Chris Paul has really struggled from the floor. He's shooting just over 40% from the field. Eric Gordon has not been Eric Gordon this year. He's shooting 32% from the field, guys. From the field, okay? 23% from three-pointer. This is a dude who, when Chris Paul went down last year, was absolutely a, a number two option for a very good team and kept Houston in games against the Warriors in the playoffs. So that's my whole thing with the situation. I didn't want to blame Melo. Has he been good? No, I'm not trying to say he's been good, but he hasn't been the problem. There's been way more problems for the Houston Rockets. And what I'm kind of afraid of now is that when Melo leaves, Melo goes to a new team or retires or whatever he decides to do, the Rockets already have been starting to play better. Just beat the Nuggets in Denver. They're going to start rattling off wins. Is it going to just be more fuel to the fire, that Melo is some cancer and that he was this big problem? Or do you guys believe some people will say, all right, Chris Paul and Eric Gordon started playing better, whatever, hard, and everyone got healthy, yada, yada, yada. Like, where do you guys land on this? Because I know you guys don't love Melo at this point in life, never really did to a great extent, but uh, I am did. I crazy for being for being uh, a little bit more reasonable here? I mean, no. yes. No. You are. It's. I just. I don't see how not everybody sees what Melo is like. The the talent when he was young, it's transcended. He's a fucking Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about any of these things. But the player he is right now, for the whatever I'll say attitude behind it or je ne sais quoi, whatever you want to call it. I don't know exactly what to call it. But it doesn't mesh. He's an eighth or ninth guy, and he still thinks he's a starter. And people talked about him when he first got signed there. It's like, Houston's got another big three. And they said the same thing in OKC. And you guess what? It it wasn't true then in OKC. It's not true now. And it'll never be true again because Melo's not that player anymore. And I hate to break it to everybody, but he never will be either. And there's nothing wrong with that. Dwayne Wade's not the player Dwayne Wade used to be. That's why he's bouncing around. The Cavaliers sent his ass home last year because they didn't think he could help them in the playoff run. So I, I don't know why everybody thinks like 
just because a team that's going for a championship doesn't need Melo means that he's cancerous. So I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think Melo's cancerous, but he's not valuable. Like He's not helping the cause is what you're saying. It's as simple as that. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, you could put yeah. anybody else out there. Sam Decker is more valuable than Carmelo Anthony right now. I cannot argue it. But that's not their main problem. Like, it's not, no, but it's Mello hasn't been good. It's part of the problem when, when you think that Melo's going to come in and and just fill the void of of Trevor Ariza, who had one of the best seasons of his career. And who, who was the other? Was it Luke Mbamute or was yes. it? Yes. Uh, yeah, and Luke Mbamute, who's a, a quality NBA player. So I just don't so, see how it, it was even I – don't, I, I was off on it in the beginning of the season. I said it was dumb. Melo's bad. And I'm still on that train, so. So, you know, uh, it is dumb to think that, but who thought it? You know who to point the finger at, Frank. Who thought it? Who thought it was a good idea? Uh, I don't even know. Daryl Morey? Exactly. Daryl Morey. It's his fucking fault. And everyone wants to point the finger at everyone else. They want to point the finger at Melo because it's easy, and he's a Hall of Fame player, and it's the headlines. It's fucking Daryl Morey's fault. And it's, like, no one else's. He let Ariza walk. He let Mbamute Mute walk, and then he signed Carmelo Anthony, like, and thought that was going to help in any sort of way. Like, he's a net negative. So, like, you lose Ariza, you lose Mbamute. Mute, and you, and you sign Capella, and you sign Capella to big money, so you can't get those like one of those other two, even though no one else was really bidding on Capella. Like, I guess that was a respect move. Maybe there was an offer. I don't know. I don't know about. But like it's just max the offer sheet. There's there's no harm in doing it. If you're gonna pay him that much money, I agree. Anyway, he's restricted anyway, it. exactly. So like this is Daryl Morley's fault. hundred percent. Like like they had to go for it last season. That was their window. They were one hamstring away from doing it. But like that was it. Like Bill Simmons has been saying that all summer and up till now. And I thought that was a little drastic. But like really he's hundred percent right because this like this team in the in the playoffs, like I don't even think they're going to be able to compete with the Lakers because you know LeBron's going to turn it up to a billion at that point. And this team is just like not good. Like I, I look at the Rockets and I'm like completely underwhelmed. I'm supposed to be afraid yeah. of like James Ennis, they have no Michael depth Carter Williams, Eric no Gordon's playing like shit. Like he's gotten off to slow starts before, but this is ungodly. Like I don't even yeah. know what this is. Like maybe at, like his knees are finally catching up to him. Whatever it is, this uh, team is just trash. Like, I felt there's... like last year, one of the biggest things that we would mention when we mentioned them in like respect, like to the Warriors and the matchup and things like that, it was it was that specific thing that they were just a team specifically built to beat the Warriors. And this I is not like that. It's, it's not that. It's 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 like a regression, like. I, it's weird to say, but that was the best. That was the best way to build that team because it worked. Just having the two ball handling superstars load up three point shooters, guys like Ryan Anderson who aren't there anymore, made a difference last year compared to what they have out there this year. That's a big floor spreader right there. Um, I just think. Well, I mean, Ryan Anderson got out of the lineup last year. Like he didn't affect them at he all. Couldn't guard anyone. But hold on, let me. Even let me, in the regular season, they helped. 
Let me just like playoffs can't play. That that type of thought to like just build a team absolutely for a specific reason. Make make PJ Tucker and Ariza, make Mbamute, make them shoot even if they don't want to, make them not ever take a mid range jumper like that. Mori ball. We all called it Mori ball. He got all the love, he got all the hype. You know, Duff, I actually really respect you calling him out. But also to that point. Isn't this a, a, a low-risk move? And it was fucking Mike D'Antoni ball before it was Daryl Morley ball. Sorry, well, it, I just well, wanted to say that. Isn't this a, a, a low-risk move? They paid Melo nothing, and now if they cut him, it doesn't even freaking feel like it hits their salary cap. It doesn't matter, and they move on to yeah. the next one. The real yeah, problem— Yeah, on like the surface, it's a low-risk move, but because it's Carmelo fucking Anthony, you're inviting this circus— into your into your franchise, of like, course. But why? How do you not? How do you not see that? Why does Why does it not? I mean, I I know why. I know why. I know why. But the fact that Michael Carter Williams and Marquise Chris and James Ennis were the other three offseason acquisitions is getting no hate, and that's why I appreciate you calling out Daryl Morey. If Trevor, why did they get Bielitsa? So uh, that's a good point. I have a question though. If Ariza or Mbamute, one, two, or or just one of them, were still here. Would Melo become a scapegoat if this team was more similar to what it was last year, and there was no MCW, and there was no James Ennis, or maybe there was, and whatever. Say Ariza is still here. Does Melo still become a scapegoat, or does there become yes. more of a this team has to look in the mirror and realize what they are and what they aren't? Because personally, yes. I think you guys are still selling the Rockets short. This team is still going to win a ton of games, and I still think they're a top four seed in the, in the Western Conference. They're going to rattle off. A 15 game win streak or, how, or a 10 like, out of 12 but, in the next couple weeks. This, this is like Trailblazers South to me right now. They have the dominant ball handlers and a good big guy, and then the rest is filler. Like, and you that, know what? this and is Trailblazers below the Mason Dixon line to me right now. Like, that's what I see when I look at this roster. And this should lead us to another conversation about the Western Conference because Trailblazers uh, Northwest is the second best team in the Western Conference right now, and they were the third seed last year. So are, are we hyping up the Western Conference too much? I mean, you look at all these teams yeah. and we say, oh, they're so good. The Western Conference is so much better than the Eastern Conference. Yeah, maybe their 7 through 11 is better than the Eastern Conference, but is there yeah. is there two any better? Because I'm, I'm looking at the Celtics, Bucks, Raptors, and Sixers and saying, I'll take them over the, the Warriors and whoever the hell else is going to end up second through fourth. You know, the East top four, maybe five, are are better than the West top four or five. Because you know, I think the Thunder are better than the Pacers. I, so really, it's they? like top four. I think it's more well rounded. The and Thunder, balanced. the Thunder couldn't even beat the Jazz last year in the playoffs. And I mean, did they get better? Does Dennis Schroeder yes, make them a better 100%, 100% team? Dennis Schroeder makes them better. Dennis Schroeder, Nerlens Noel. Uh, and they just yeah. still didn't have Andre yeah. Roberson yeah. healthy. I, I can't wait to yeah, see they don't the have Thunder. Andre Roberson healthy. Melo doesn't have any more minutes on the team. Alex Abrines can. Alex Abrines is getting more minutes now. Thank yeah. fucking like, God. Like in all like, seriousness, the only you, you want to know the only problem with the Thunder right now. I've been saying it since last year. You're gonna say it before I say Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan. Donovan. <laughs> Billy fucking Donovan is the problem in in, in OKC. He's just holding them back. A quick point on no, it's the, his, uh, uh, okay on the Rockets real quick. Um, are they any better than the team with just James Harden and Clint Capella and side pieces? Yeah, no, they're because not. their cap would have been more evenly spread out because they don't have Chris Paul. Exactly. So I can't. I, I, I gotta go. I guess I'll shout Pete for shouting Duff. Like, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent Daryl Morey. And the the other thing I want to answer your question about would Melo still be a scapegoat? Yes. Be, and it, it's not even his fault. It's the way he is talked about. It's, it's just his narrative now. Like, he's a former superstar who honestly just 
is a net negative, doesn't contribute anymore. It, you know what I mean? He so, needs to retire. He does. and Because it's not going to go away that. wherever he goes. He's not yeah, going to play any better. doesn't matter how many shots he gets up. doesn't matter who's around him. He's not going to get any better anywhere else. He's done. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm all the way out on the Rockets. I see them as a lower half Western Conference team. Uh, I think they get worked by so many of those teams in the playoffs. It's not even funny, uh, especially with, like, I mean, I guess some people kind of dispelled their notions of James Harden choking and Chris Paul never being able to get it done in the big moment. But you know what? I fucking haven't. So uh, they're not one of the best teams in the league anymore. They can't just rely on that, you know, mirror. They're six and seven. They're the 12th. Last year. Like, I'm, I'm letting it be known now. That team ain't even getting out of the first round. They're I'll, six I'll and you on that. Tw- they're right six and now. seven. They're twelfth in the West. You know who's twelfth in the East? The fucking sh- Chicago Bolts. Like you know who's six and, and, and eight and in the East? I, the Orlando will, Magic. Like I, I will lay money on it in a literal and physical sense. I mean, and metaphorical sense because I have been betting them recently, and I will continue to because they are going to rattle off about an eight out of ten any time now. Like they just beat the Nuggets in Denver. The Nuggets are supposed to be the up-and-comers, the be- the second or third best team in the West. People are hyping them up like crazy, and yet James Harden and Chris Paul. Yeah, but this is the classic addition by subtraction game where you you like cut someone or your coach gets fired. Like Melo didn't play, MCW didn't play, so it's like we have to get our shit together. This is like a sense of urgency game. This is not. This is what we are now. Game in my mind. Well, I'll, this is what I'll say to disagree with that. If you take your net negative of Carmelo Anthony, which he is, and you put in a net zero in James Ennis and a net zero in Gary Clark, who have the ability to be better, much better than Carmelo Anthony, and Eric Gordon and Chris Paul start shooting even close to what they usually do, this team is now all of a sudden well above five hundred again, and one of the better teams in the Western Conference again. And I, I don't think it's debatable. I mean, you, you, you guys are completely discounting the fact that these two bona scorers and ball handlers have been not good. They've been bad. Chris Paul and Eric Gordon have been horrible to their standards this year, and James yeah. Harden has been James Harden. But so like, when, when Chris Paul turns around and scores 20 and gets 12 assists, and Eric Gordon hits seven threes in a game, and they beat a freaking good team by 25, we're going to say, alright, the Rockets are still going to win a bunch of games in the, in the regular season, and playoffs will be playoffs. Who knows what will happen? But this team is a top four seed in the West, and I, I still feel so confident in that. Yo, they have right, in their want, next eight games. Hold up, hold up. You said you're willing to put something to this. Put yeah, something to this. Let's next do it. year's NBA League Pass subscription fee that they don't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Oh man. <laughs> okay. I'm All so right. in on that. Oh my god. All right. Well, we let's let's before I agree to this, let's talk about this seriously. Because let's say the Rockets get the fourth seed or the or the third seed, they can end up being matched up against the Lakers, right? They could. That's a risk you're gonna have to take, maybe. That's a risk you're gonna have bet. to take. Okay. Um, no. Yeah. No. There's. There's. There's no seating. There's no matchup. If they end up eight and have to face the Warriors, guess what? You just got fucked by <laughs> nature. Like, no. That's. This is. This is a straight principle bet. They will not make it out of the first round of the playoffs. All right. And then the next eight games. Play. Next eight games. They have Golden State, Sacramento, Detroit, Detroit again. Cleveland, Washington, Dallas, San Antonio. You want to show me you're for real? You got to go six and two in that stretch. Seven and one. I, Easy money. 
you think seven and one. Pistons are trash. Kings are trash. Pistons are trash. See, I was gonna say if you if you want to show me you're for real, you need to beat the Pistons back to back. Do it. They're you need gonna to do it. Beat them twice. All right, good. I'm looking forward to this. Let's go Rockets. Let's go James Harden. He's the MVP. They're gonna fucking lay an egg against the Kings. Can't I'm gonna wait. laugh right in your face. Oh, I'm gonna laugh so hard. They're definitely gonna lose to the Kings. Buddy Hill's gonna drop thirty on them. Yeah. Wow. James Harden is fat. Chris Paul is old. <laughs> the Rockets are done. They're all morally you know, senile. Yo, does it not seem Carmelo like Anthony from the fucking grave just kills Mike D'Antoni? James Harden, after getting his MVP, I feel like nobody—he's not even going to be in the conversation anymore. Uh, yeah, that'll be like Russ's MVP. Where like, he, all right, yep. he got it, and now we're it was done. Storyline. It was a storyline. That's because yeah, James Harden should line. be it's a narrative. It's a narrative MVP. That's what like if the Pelicans play. If they get to like 45 wins, the AD is going to get the MVP because he's going to have to go like 30 and 15 to do it. Well, James Harden should AD be back-to-back so MVPs good, right now anyway. So I digress. And Frank, I digitally handshake. Yeah, but like what he got, would he have gotten it last year if he got it the year before? I, I don't care. I'm, I'm off that conversation. I am I am confirming the bet. He's getting beat up with so Frank. bad. He just wants some moves. Though. No, I'm I'm not I'm not backing down. I am not backing down. I am confirming this bet. NBA League Pass fee will be on me if the Rockets don't make it out of the first round of playoffs. Let's go. Let's go. Tight. I'm in on that. Some, yeah, I just got some free NBA League Pass next year. <laughs> yeah. uh, shout out. Shout out NBA League Pass. All right, we need to move on. Let's just do a quick run around of the league. Yeah, let's uh, do a real or not real. Houston fucking Rockets, Pete. Real, real is <laughs> Not F. real. Real is F. All right, screw you. Dude, if they don't, I'm serious. Like, the middle of the West is such a bitch. Like, if, if they really dig themselves a hole here early in the season, it's going to be so hard to climb out. All like, right, so let's, coming let's, at it, let's do this right now. Let's do this right now. Ready? Number seven seed, seven and five Memphis Grizzlies. Real or not real? Not real. Not real. Okay. But that's they're a- tough as shit to beat. Every night. It, uh, wait, no. I, I, was, I wanted to pull up their schedule. Hang on. Because uh, the teams that they were beating early in the season were just a joke. And so okay. are the Kings. All right. By the way, all right, bring up the Kings schedule when you get a chance as well. We're getting to them. So they they lost to the Pacers. They beat the Hawks. They beat Utah in the, the ugliest game I've ever watched in my life, 92-84. Uh, they <laughs> oh lost to the God. Kings. Shout out to Kings. Beat the, the Suns, the Wizards. They beat yeah. the Jazz again. At, in Utah, and then they lost to the Suns, lost to the Warriors, beat the Nuggets, beat the Sixers in overtime, and that was the game I think Joel Embiid just popped off. And then they lost to Utah on Monday. So coming up, they got the Bucks, Bucks, Kings. All right, so, the, so they're a hard out. They're a hard out. Right? Yeah. Hard- I don't know, man. They could. Gr- I could see them grinding out regular season games. I mean, what's a hard out? What does hard out mean? Oh no, I'm saying like they're a hard team to beat. Oh yes, yes. So they're yes. real. I thought you were saying like hard out of the playoffs so or whatever. Do you think they're about a 500 team that hangs all year round? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so they're real. That- so then they're real because that's what they are right now. I think now. this team's gonna be fighting for a be. playoff spot. Uh- I think the Lakers and the Pelicans jump in. You know what? This is so tough because like the Clippers are like. Five games ahead, not five games. I don't know. They're two games ahead in the loss column of the Rockets right now. And that's, I mean, that's really the stretch. I mean, unless the Kings really take a nosedive here, it's going to be like 11 teams fighting for eight spots. Basically, my point is here, when it comes down to it, the dog days of the season, 
and you're running out against you know the 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 average to good teams uh, across the league. Are you trusting the ragtag team of solid players of the Clippers, Grizzlies, and Kings, or are you gonna say the Rockets are gonna be better than those teams? See, but like Marcus Saul and Mike Conley just know how to fucking grind out games and win them. I like in the ugliest way possible. Like in the playoffs, it's not gonna work. In the regular season, they can make it happen. I mean, you know, that's why I'm saying they're real. I hate the Grizzlies. You know, I just want that on the record, but I think it's real. I'm a big Mike Conley, Marcus All. I hate Mike Conley. That's I think he's terrible. That is just extremely rude, Duff. Get off, get off the podcast. Is he still the the number one point guard in the NBA, Pete? Your column last year, (laughs) he was not number one. He was like number (laughs) five, and I stand by it. And that goes to your point of them being such a hard team to beat because he is so he's that good. They them. were the third or fourth worst team in the entire league last year. They get one player back and a rookie and all of a sudden they're, Oh, well, Marcus Saul was the out Jazz. Too. No, Marcus Saul played most of the year last year. They were trash. Yeah, Absolute trash. Duff, get out of the Discord. You're done. You're fucking <laughs> done. The Rockets are done. Daryl Morley's done. All right. They uh, stop saying Daryl Morley. All right. I'm over this now. Did has you, any wait, has Morley. a player ever killed a coach's job twice? Duff, you said Daryl Morley like ten times and I'm <laughs> I'm sick of it. It's Maury, okay? M- whatever, bro. Morley has has a coach ever been killed by the same player twice? A la Mello in New York and now in Houston. <laughs> so you think Dan Tony's getting the boot? <laughs> Nah, dude, J.B. Bickerstaff got a head coaching job right here. There's no need yeah, we're good. for an interim coach to, to come about, so D'Antoni's pretty safe. All right, well, let's move on because I, yeah, I, need, I need to relax next, here for a second. Real or not, bro. My next real or not real is about a specific player on a team we just talked about. De'Aaron Fox, franchise, point guard, future all-star, real or not real? So fucking real. So Took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, He's like – and – you guys know like how big of a compliment this is for me. He's like Russell Westbrook with more composure and, and a good more, attitude. Uh, just like skill. Not, not skill. No, definitely not skill. Uh, he's not as stubborn. He's not gonna run his fucking head into the wall a hundred times until the wall breaks, even if it doesn't break. Yeah, I feel like he's He'll like a smart kid, high motor, good attitude. Who's more refined than Russell Westbrook was at this age? One hundred percent. Like he's shooting forty-four percent from three on three attempts. No way that lasts. But if he can, you know, teeter off to like league average as a second-year player after shooting thirty percent last year, that'd be insane. So like league average is like thirty-six percent. So if this even drops eight percent, it would still be a really incredible season. Yeah, and also a quick little side note: uh, I think he's the fastest player in the NBA. He's like, so fast with the ball. It's not even close. Yeah, like John Wall used to have that title pretty easily. He's fat now. I, I don't even care that he's fat. <laughs> he's faster than John Wall was when John Wall was fast. Like he's he he, he kind of sometimes looks on the fast break like like Tyree Kill just busting out and making everybody else look like they're not professional athletes. I hear that. I like that too. De'Aaron Fox, great start to the year. I hope he keeps it up. I mean, it just goes to show why we were all so hyped about him last year coming in. And it also goes to show that point guards in the NBA do not develop overnight, and it takes time. Yo, real quick, De'Aaron Fox or Alonzo Ball? De'Aaron Fox, in my opinion. Pete? I'm pausing because Alonzo Ball's development, which was a thing last year, has now been put to the side to become a winning team, and I think the dude plays winning basketball. If I'm starting a team, 
I'd probably want Darren Fox to be my franchise point guard and face. But as a supplementary player, I think Lonzo is going to be a guy who has that intangible badge, fills the cracks. His shot's only going to get better. So I think, I think Wait, Lonzo. Can I pose a question real quick? It's tough. I think I think if I'm starting a team, I'm going to take Fox. But I really, really love what Lonzo Ball does on the court. If you straight up swap and put Fox on the Lakers right now, they're not a better team. Uh, no, not necessarily. Are you? Is that a statement or is that a question? It's a question. I don't, I don't believe so. No. What about you, Duff? Uh, I mean, the way he's shooting the ball right now, they're definitely a better team. And vice versa. Now the Kings are not better with Lonzo Ball. No, not at all. But I don't think the Lakers uh, are better with Fox. Like, it, but but like. It's definitely not a better team with Lonzo on the Kings, but like Darren Fox on the Lakers, it's, it's definitely close. debatable. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. It's like Lonzo an argument. Frank. It's a good question. Good um, question, Frank. Let's keep this Thank thing you. moving. I'm going to move it to the Eastern Conference here, and I just want to ask you this: Victor Oladipo, top five player in the Eastern Conference, real or not real? Can I mm. go first? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. It's not real, and the reason being uh is because Kawhi Leonard came over is because Kawhi uh sorry Kyrie Irving still here Joel Embiid is still here uh Jimmy Butler is back um he I, I think he's the echelon right beneath top five um you can't go wrong with him on your team I think every single team in the NBA at this point would say yeah Victor Oladipo for sure. Um, no, I don't think he's top five. And I didn't even mention Giannis yet. So, um, well, no, not top five, but pretty close. I'll say this. The the absolute better than Old Depot class is Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Atetokounmpo. And I'd say Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid. And Jimmy Butler. So basically everybody I just said. Jimmy Butler. And, and wait for it, Blake Griffin. <laughs> well, no, but, I mean, look at the start, numbers 24 yeah, points 10 rebounds start, 5 assists shooting 36% from 3 I think you're wrong 2% better than Oladipo not, right now Oladipo's defense he's getting to the line one more time a game I'm just saying Ol- shooting a better free throw percentage like he's better in like every category Oladipo's defense does not falter even with all the offensive burden I'm just throwing it out there doesn't falter. I'm saying I think Jimmy Butler and Oladipo are about as close to a toss-up as you can get at this moment in time. Mm. We're, we're talking about 82 games. We're talking about we, a full look, season. Look, you're saying this now. We haven't watched Jimmy Butler play any inspired basketball in the year of 2018. So Fair enough. Wait for it. I feel like he's going to come out like a bad he's out dropped, of hell. He's going to drop 40 points in the first game. But and it's against the Magic. He really could do it. All right, one more last real or not real. Then we got to close this thing out. Um, Boston Celtics, Duff, close to home for you, of course. Mm, near and dear to my heart. Real or not real, they have too many guys. So fucking real. It's so real. They need to, like, th- it can't happen because New Orleans franchise folding literally depends on it, but they need to trade for Anthony Davis, like, right now. There's there's no other guys they can go get. They they could have gotten Paul George. They didn't do it. Could have gotten Kawhi. They didn't do it. Could have gotten uh, Jimmy Butler. They didn't do it. The last guy out there right now who's even remotely close on the trade block who is a really impactful player that could really turn a franchise around is Anthony Davis. And they need 
to do like I would trade Anthony Davis for Jason Tatum straight up right now. Right the fuck now. Whoa. Right fuck now. That's the guy it. you what? You'd rather in trade a heartbeat. You'd rather hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm gonna go back and get this kid out of the fucking Discord. Yeah, Duff. In a heartbeat. Duff, in an absolute heartbeat. Duff, get out of the Discord in a heartbeat. When you have too many heartbeat. I'm saying that there's too many guys you agree with me, and then you said let's trade possibly our best player for I'm one saying other that's guy. how serious this like they should be taking. This yeah, but you'd up. obviously rather trade Jalen Brown two first round picks for Anthony Davis. I'll trade Jalen Brown and all of my first round picks of 2019 for this guy right now. Start your rebuild well, fresh with Jalen Brown and four first round picks in this year. Wow. I mean, who says no? Probably the Pelicans. Probably yeah, because their franchise is going to fold. Like this is <laughs> like all, for all this trade talk. Like, I'm not kidding when I say the franchise is going to fold. Like, you can go see Anthony Davis for the price of a fucking Chipotle burrito. <laughs> for cheaper than it's that. It's unbelievable. You can, you can do it for just a side of guac. A hundred percent. Like, it's so... I, I don't even get it. Like, it, if I would snatch up season tickets to to the to the Pelicans in a heartbeat with Anthony <laughs> Davis there. Yeah, Anthony Davis is the man. Uh, to answer your question... Uh, not fucking real at all. Uh, basically, the same amount of pieces they had last year, and they almost beat LeBron and stopped his consecutive fucking going to the final streak. So, absolutely not. Uh, pretty sure we've mentioned it before. You know, even when playoff rotations tighten up and you use only, you know, maybe seven, eight guys in the game, they can pick and choose the extra three guys they bring off the bench. And you know, if some guy's not feeling it, guess what? The next guy steps up, and maybe he is. Uh, perfect example of that last year, Terry Rozier. Just absolutely balling out, going from, like, kind of like the third point guard. People like, Marcus Smart's better than him, right? To being, like, I think every other team that didn't have a starting point guard was like, Terry Rozier, please. Uh, so, no, not buying that at all. That's a load of bullshit. Uh, I don't think that's ever been a fucking problem. If people say it is, a, they're just inventing reasons for for something to be wrong or you know that that nature. Excuses is what you're saying. It's excuses, yeah, excuses for that's, a slow start. A load of, yeah, a load of bullshit. You know what? A real lot, quick, a lot real of quick. Pers- what? You can go to Pelicans versus Denver. Good game, <laughs> right? Cheapest ticket five dollars. Five fucking dollars. You want to go sit courtside? You want to go to yeah. fucking courtside row three? Is that how you you want to it's, go? It's different. Two hundred eighty-six dollars. I would be at every game. Sitting, like sitting courtside. <laughs> I would sit courtside every game and be like saving money than if I was sitting in the rafters at MSG. And like that's not a joke. You want to sit second tier MSG, like center court. It's the same price as courtside at the Smoothie Center, Smoothie King <laughs> yeah. Center. Yeah. It's, you know, Excuse me. There's there's a thing called supply and demand, my friend, and New York is. I know, but like that, I'm just the biggest basketball market in the world. That's the worst comparison you can have made. No, 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 I'm, I, no, no, no. I'm just getting to the point of like, if like people aren't coming to the game and they have like a guy who could be a top twenty player of all time. Yeah, no, it's dumb. Yeah, so like, if they trade 100%. him, like trade trade talk about him, I think is overhyped because it just can't happen or the Pelicans are now the Seattle Supersonics. Nah. Like, that's what happens. 
Well, well maybe well, they fucking well, should be, dude. Yeah, well, so. let's keep the trade talks going so we get the Supersonics back in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair, fair, fair. Wait, no, I, I, last thing, I'm going to say this before we close out. I was on Twitter a couple weeks ago, and I wrote something about my uh, moving to Seattle power rankings. I wrote a thing, and I wrote, you know, Pelicans, Magic, all the ones that you would expect. And I wrote honorable mention, Charlotte Hornets. Then I wrote, mm-hmm. like, in quotes, I put, MJ wouldn't let it happen. Some, mm-hmm. some like, Charlotte Hornets stan, like, tweeted back at me and was like, don't you dare touch my Hornets, and added some Hornets blog, and they started making fun of me. They're like, I, they, they're like, I bet you he doesn't even know where Charlotte is. I'm like, what? I have a fucking Google Maps, bro. Dude, I know where people, is. people in fucking, in, like, in small market places just go ape shit when you make fun of them. It's insane. I was like, oh, I was yeah. toying around with a piece like that last year, and I had honorable mention, um... No, I'm not even going to say it now. But I did have the, the Minnesota Timberwolves on there, and my argument was I didn't even write anything. I just laid out, like, their drafts, like, <laughs> of the last 10 years and all the guys they missed on. Like, I don't think it's fair to play that game. But when you do it for, like, 10 years straight and, like, who you picked and who was on the board, it's just, like, it, I, I have to see if I can find it. Because if you go down and you take a look at it, it's just insane. Oh, man. Well, this one has been an absolute blast, fellas. A lot, a lot of Fs and BSs have dropped in this podcast tonight. Hey man, this is uh for adults by adults <laughs> for adults. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Well, not to have too many nightmares while you're wrapped up with your Darren Morley, Morley fucking it, right. doll. No, no, just now it's, keeping them safe from me and Frank. It's seriously time for you to get the heck out of the Discord. Or better start I, saving your pennies, bro. You're or, buying our league pass next year. Should I say Discord? Yeah, Di- should I say Discord? Because you keep saying Morley. Like, come on, you're better than that, Duff. You're better than that. Duff, I'm not even. Asking. I don't know if he deserves my respect anymore. I really don't. Duff, I'm not even asking you. I really you. don't. I'm not asking you. So better keep your mouth quiet over there, Frank. Any last words before we say goodbye? Um. Goddamn, I love the young Knicks and David Fizdale. David Fizdale might be my absolute favorite sports. Oh wait, real quick, wait, 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 real quick. Anything in New York? Just throwing that out. Without On that note, what what do you think about the dis the discord between? Fizz and KP on like where he is in his rehab, and Fizz saying he can't well, sprint yet, and then I, I, Porzingis. I prefer, I prefer instead the, of like media manufactured, dude. I prefer all the, media no, manufactured. It's not media manufactured. It's just Fizzdale literally said that he didn't. He was not aware that he went out to the track. He's like, I only see what's in the gym. No one specifically told me he was out on the track. It's fine. I just talked to KP this morning. He's just competitive. He wants to make sure people know he's working hard. And that was it. Duff, I prefer the Discord that you're not in. Get out of this freaking podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Anyway, signing signing off for the Sports Blog New York Podcast, NBA Outsiders Edition. I'm Pete Kennedy for Frank Villani and John Lucas Duffy. Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) 